0: The best part of the week before the World Cup are all the stories of the vibes, the not-so-good vibes, the good vibes, the bad vibes. And admit, we are fully in vibe week pre-World Cup. I don't know what to actually believe, but you want to believe all of it.
1: Well, you want to believe all of it if you're fans of clubs with good vibes. And if you have bad vibes, like some teams we will be talking about, you just want to swipe it under the rug. You you want to say, that's not happening. It uh, didn't matter that,
0: that Bruno Fernandes had that weird kind of handshake, non-handshake thing with Ronaldo or the training videos. None of that actually mattered. But if you're on the other side of it, you blow it all up, right? It's all about vibes.
1: Yeah, it, if you don't like Portugal, you got to love it. They yeah. have some really bad vibes. Yeah. Ronaldo himself is doing his best to to get himself out of this World Cup. I'm not sure why, because everyone's making a big deal that it's his fifth one. He seems like he doesn't want to be there.
0: He seems like he doesn't want to be anywhere at this point, considering the interview he gave with the whole Manchester United thing. This is the World Cup After Dark podcast. I'm Austin Miller. He's Amit Malik. And today we will be talking about everybody else ahead of the World Cup. We have a big task ahead of us today, Amit, because there's a lot of teams that we really haven't covered And we're going to try to do it the easiest way possible, which is one question, one player for every team. Short, sweet, the biggest question about said team going into the World Cup, and one player to highlight. It's a good way to break down all the teams we have left, and it's a cheap way to kind of be able to skate around the teams that maybe we are not so good talking about.
1: I agree. We um, talked about our areas of expertise, Sure. US Men's National Team. Conca CONCACAF, great. You know, we have some takes about these teams, but not all of them. So, you know, we'll get into the ones we find a little more interesting. But, yeah, it's a good way to to get around the the groups. Um, and I think it's exciting. You'll, you'll hear some of these groups we're a little more excited about than others.
0: Sure. I also think that this is the only podcast about the World Cup in the world in which UEFA gets chucked into the others bin. So that kind of makes me feel good.
1: I like that too. I think it reflects our sensibilities.
0: Sure, exactly. Uh, All right, we're going to go group by group because that's the easiest way for us to to make a rundown. So one question, one player, Amit. Let's start with Qatar. Are they good enough to take advantage of a home soil boost? Will there be a home soil boost? Oh, no, that's two questions. Uh, Stick with the first one.
1: It's tough because these are players that uh, most of the soccer watching community does not know a lot about. They all play domestically in Qatar. They're one of three squads that are not, you know, based with a player in a top five league. Um, I think what makes it we do have to go off of is their performance at international tournaments, which they've done pretty well. Right. They won uh, the Asian Cup, their version of like the. The Continental Tournament tournament
0: in 2019.
1: And then they went to the CONCACAF one, the Gold Cup, and they went to a semifinals.
0: And they played a Copa America and were fine. They were not particularly good. They were not particularly bad.
1: So I think if you're projecting a team with those kind of results, right, they seem like they're about a top four, top three team in either uh, Asia or CONCACAF, which means they definitely deserve to be here. I think they're a talented team that could make some damage. I don't think they're particularly... They shouldn't be favored in a top sixteen team, but that's good enough to take advantage of a home soil boost if such a thing exists, which we we have no idea. I really right. don't think we can answer that question, you know, until we see I it. I think home, yes, yeah, home crowd advantage exists in soccer for sure, and in the World Cup, there's definitely a track record of it, right? Um, pretty clearly with the last, you know, four, five, almost every World Cup. Right. This is a weird one because. Of a lot of reasons with Qatar, but specifically addressing home field advantage, we don't know what their home crowds are like. We don't know, like, we don't have a lot of record of them being a a footballing nation, so to say. So, it's going to be weird to see, like, what the support is for them at home and if they can kind of get some momentum going.
0: Right, so, like, the most tangible kind of advantage they get is they're a pot one team, and so they have a favorable draw, right? Like, that's the most tangible advantage of being the host, is that... They don't have two European giants in their group or anything. You've got Netherlands, Senegal, and Ecuador. So maybe there's an opportunity to take advantage of that. They've played a ton together. You know, they've been in a pre-World Cup training camp in Spain since October, uh, which we've seen other Middle Eastern teams do. All of their teams playing in the same domestic league gives them a lot of opportunity to train a ton together. So this is going to be a well-oiled machine. They have an experienced manager. We're kind of still in the unknown, though, and I think that's what kind of makes it exciting for, for Sunday. Is there a player that you've been able to see with Qatar at maybe the Gold Cup or the Copa America or any other opportunity that you want to pick out? I think there's kind of two big options, right?
1: I think you can go ahead. You've got the options here better than I do.
0: You just didn't want to have to pronounce the names. You were scarred by your <laughs> name pronouncing <laughs> experience been, in the last time. You've been
1: listening to this podcast. That is 100% correct.
0: Uh, I think it's Al Ali for me, the 26 year old striker. He's got 42 goals in 85 caps. He's a player who's, who stood out for Qatar. He's always kind of the player who gets picked out. You know, every broadcaster will pick out one player, and I think he's going to be the guy that you're going to see picked out a lot for Qatar. Senegal Of it, is there enough attacking talent to go through, and that leads into the one player, which is probably Sadio Mane?
1: Yeah, the news today is not great. It said they would be out of the first games, which to me is sounds like he's out for the at least two, possibly right. through the group stage which is leaving the door open that he could play later in the tournament. But let's be honest, for Senegal, they need him to get out of those three games. And without him, it's not great. Now, this squad is actually, you know, pretty solid. They've got a lot of good players that you'll recognize when you need to go down the line. They have some attacking talent, but he's their best player for sure. And I'm just not sure that without him in the lineup, they're going to get it done. Also, when you watch them play – they are obviously very physical. They're obviously very fast. But they don't play very attacking soccer for the talent they have, which is a little disappointing because they could they could be better, but they kind of yeah. like bunker in, play for set pieces. It's it's a little ugly, and they scrap their way through AFCON qualifying. So yeah, I mean, after we've qualifying.
0: Seen, we've seen them muck up big games, right? They mucked up the AFCON final against Egypt that they won. They mucked up the World Cup playoff against Egypt, which they won. So credit to them for winning. But without Mane, this could get pretty ugly. I'm getting really big Mo Salah vibes from the Russia World Cup, right? Like, it was kind of the same thing with Salah. Will he make it? Will he not? Oh, he's in the squad. He's on the bench. And then before you knew it, he wasn't really able to play at all. So I'm kind of getting that feeling as well here from Mane. I think one advantage is there's a possibility that you know, they could kind of hold him out of that Netherlands game and kind of punt it, try and muck it up, snatch a point. The games that matter for them are probably the last two, right, against Qatar and Ecuador. So maybe he makes it for that. But the vibes, you know, this is going to be a big vibe show. The vibes aren't great, right?
1: They're not. It's He's a talisman for sure. I He's totally like Salah in his role to the team, his importance to the team, his class, his talent. Salah had two great goals at that World Cup, but Egypt on the whole were... You know, they, they weren't really competitive. They All their goals came late in games. They were they were one of the worst teams in their group. I think that's a likely fate for Senegal if you're predicting them. But they're definitely not out of it. And, you know, you're going through some of the names here. I think Edward Mendy, their goalkeeper, is very quality. He's a good shot stopper. We talked about this on our previous podcast. That's something that can help you get through a game or two, steal some points. So they're definitely not out of it. But if you had to pick, you'd expect them to be near the bottom of this group. We talked about Ecuador already, which leaves us with the last team in this group, the Netherlands. And I think the big question for them, Austin, is do we consider them a top-tier contender with some of the other powerhouses? I
0: think the thing with the Netherlands like, I haven't really thought about them in the context of this World Cup because you kind of view it as, like, it's a sure thing they're going to go through from this group. And so I haven't really processed how I feel about this team going into the World Cup, like, it kind of feels like a team that's going to be at the World Cup, which they weren't four years ago, obviously. They're going to make the quarterfinals, and you're going to kind of never really know that they're there. Is that a possibility for them? Maybe, right?
1: I agree. I think if you're comparing them in talent to the other top teams, and we think, we think they're a clear echelon of top tier in Brazil and Argentina, and then possibly France, we'll sure. talk about them. And then I think the other good teams – who have flaws but are that good, you know, England, Germany, Spain, and then you're in the Belgium-Netherlands territory. And I I think of all those squads, Netherlands is probably the worst on talent, but by nature of their draw and their path to a quarterfinal, I think you have to consider them there in terms of, if you were thinking of odds or like chances to make a semifinal, but in terms of talent competing to their contenders, maybe not. I think that's, we both probably agree on
0: like, they can get to the quarterfinals without having played a real team. I mean, like, quote-unquote, real team, right? Like, they can cruise through this group, and then they can get whoever makes it out of group B. Like, they can beat the United States in a round of 16, make the quarterfinals, and then lose to a real team. So I think that's what what kind of makes it interesting. You are going to know this Netherlands squad a lot better than, than I am. Who's the player for you?
1: Uh, I think Frankie De Jong at Barcelona is playing really well. I think there's a lot of guys in the squad that have been around for a while. Daly Blind is 32 and he's still chugging along at Ajax. Um, Vincent Janssen, Janssen. Vallado's legend.
0: Monterey legend. Mexico,
1: Monterey legend, yes.
0: Spurs um, legend, a lot of legends. Yeah.
1: I mean, Stevie, Stevie Bergwine, also a Tottenham legend. Tottenham kind of likes their Dutch players. Um, oh, I see that. You know, they're they're led in the, in the back by players that a lot of fans of big five leagues know. Virgil van Dijk, Liverpool center back. Uh, Mat- Matisse leaked. uh oh, geez. That's probably bad. Look, okay. Dutch is
0: tough. Dutch is tough. Dutch I'll is tough. Dutch, is, Dutch tough. is tough. He's at
1: Bayern. He was at Juventus. So, you know, there's quality to go around. Um, I, also, and then they are... go I,
0: I, my research for this podcast is literally the Wikipedia 22, you know, FIFA 2022 World Cup squads page. There's apparently a 39-year-old goalkeeper with two caps in this Netherlands squad. I'm all for Remco Passphere having a role in this World Cup. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm down. Sign me up.
1: Maybe he's a penalty guy. Uh, we do know the Netherlands and Costa Rica yeah. in that shootout, the Tim Krul penalty sub. We know that Louis Van Gaal will do that if he wants to. Um, you know, on the whole, this, this team has attacking talent. They have midfield talent. They have defense talent. They should be good. You know, I think you look at their strikers and you see maybe not Proven, proven goal scorer. Like, if their best guy goal scorer is a midfielder in De Jong, uh, or, you know, it's not really going to be Vincent Jansen. Uh, Luke De Jong is probably their best striker, and he's scoring them in the Dutch league, which is very striker-friendly. I think they're solid, and I think they're going to play attractive soccer, which is good for the neutrals. But it's it's really hard to know until they play a good team, which we we agree, unless they get... England in the round of 16, probably not going to be until a quarterfinal.
0: Good little transition point. Let's move to group B. England, is it coming home? That's the question. Probably not. Probably yeah, not. There we go.
1: I, I'm i kind of uh, sympathetic to the English men's national team. You know, I've we've watched a lot of English soccer in our lives. Sure. I kind of feel for them, you know, I as not. a country. They haven't won a men's World Cup since 66. There's a lot of pent-up aggression. But they're kind of fun to make fun of. The it's coming home thing is really funny. It's good. It's good memes. And then when it doesn't happen, it's kind of funny how sad it is. In terms of them in soccer, I think they were very lucky to make their run their last two major tournaments. They got a lot of set piece goals. They, you know, had some decisions here and there go their way. I think overall on talent, for sure, they're a top five, six team at this World Cup. But Garrett Southgate kind of shackles his talent. And they just they use the ball, but they don't commit too much forward to really attack with the ball. So they use the ball as a defensive measure, which is like the worst kind of attacking soccer.
0: And the thing is like, they've been really bad. Like they've been actively bad recently. And I know they haven't really played anybody outside of Europe. They had the one friendly window where they got to do that. They played Cote d'Ivoire, but like they've been bad. And I don't think the vibes are very good with them coming to this world cup. And I almost think there's this sense of like, "Ah, I'm going to be fine. And this group is kind of difficult enough that they might not be fine, right?
1: I think it's a very good point. This is one of the toughest groups in the whole tournament because not none of the teams are ranked worse than 20. We talked about USA, Wales, and Iran. They're all good, solid teams. And what you also said about England's run-in matters, they, they haven't been scoring. And that's weird right. for Harry Kane, my guy, a, a topic of this podcast, he's expected to do it. But if... The margins are so slim for them, the way they play. They could get dumped out of the group. They could finish in second. It's all on the table.
0: Like, you could absolutely drop a scenario where Carlos Carlos Queiroz's Iran absolutely shackle them for 90 minutes, pick up a point in game one. The U.S. plays well against England in game two. The U.S. maybe, you know, sneaks out a win. And then they're stuck against Wales in the last game, and they have to win. And again, it's another bunker encounter team. So, I think this group can be really difficult for England because of what you said. They haven't been scoring, and these are going to be probably tough teams to score against.
1: I agree completely. You know, to talk about the squad a little bit, if you watch Premier League, you know a lot of these guys. We don't need to get into too much, but there's so much attacking talent to go around Um, and young attacking talent, which is very exciting Sancho, Bellingham, Mount, Foden. And then they have Kane, one of the best strikers of all time. You know, he's that good. And then their defense just is really yeah, where it falls. Off. Where are
0: we at on the whole Harry Maguire thing? Like, have I been proven right? Like, he's actually bad? What I said four years ago when everyone was fawning over him?
1: He's been bad in the United shirt for four years. He's unreliable. He seems to play better with England, and England have a decent defensive record, which I think is due to their system. But they're, they're you know, Kyle Walker is in this squad, but I think he's been a little hurt. Luke Shaw is struggling a little bit with injury. They have Trent Alexander-Arnold, who is a really good attacking fullback, but he's also a little suspect defensively, we've seen with Liverpool. So this is an interesting team to play Wales and Iran, who are going to try to bunker and counter, and I think they'll be a little susceptible. I also think those games might be really boring to watch, due to design by England. So England can make a run at this tournament. They have the talent for sure. And there'll be some moments for them. But overall, I think that some bad luck is due for them in a major tournament. And Southgate kind of is asking for it.
0: Right. All right. We touched on a lot of players. I want to touch on one more as my one player here. Jordan Pickford, there might be a bad moment, right? Like there's absolutely a howler that could happen at this World Cup. England goalkeepers
1: do this a lot of times. They have a track record. And American fans will remember very clearly uh, the Robert Green goal that uh, was shipped for England. They they make mistakes, and then Pickford specifically does this for Everton. So I, I would agree that's a good point to bring up. England goalkeeping, not a strength. Moving on to Iran, I think the point on them that I'll ask you is, this is a solid team. They played yep. together well. Carlos Caro is an experienced manager. Is this the right group for them to get out of?
0: I think this is really interesting. And like I think for me, there are two super interesting teams at this World Cup. Iran and Portugal who we'll get to in a bit. I think this is the best chance Iran have had to have a really successful World Cup. And then you juxtapose that against everything that's happening politically within the country and it's going to be super interesting to watch. Look, I'm not an expert on all of that. I don't know exactly how it's all going to play out, but I think it will be really interesting. Carlos Carlos canceled his squad selection, his squad announcement this weekend. There was supposedly some rumors that the Iranian government wanted him to drop Sardar Asmoum, one of their best attacking players from the squad that didn't happen. And that's obviously a good thing for Iran. And I think it's really interesting because I think you have an Iran team that won't be playing for the government, but will be playing for the people and you have a lot of people in Iran who will be backing this team because of that. Like, I don't think you'll see a lot of anti Iranian national team sentiment from Iranians themselves because I think you've kind of seen the players do what they can to support protests and all of that. So with all of that as a backdrop, you then drop Iran into this incredibly politically charged group, right? Like there's England and the United States who are probably the most two politically charged potential rivals for Iran. And they're going to play football matches against them. And then you have the manager Keros returning with a team that he's super familiar with and probably their best kind of batch of attacking talent I think they are low-key, ridiculously interesting team at this World Cup, and I would love to see them do well because I really respect what Kros has done with this project. It's great that he's back in it, but I don't know if it'll all click and they'll be able to put it together, but it feels like they can. Like, this is a group where they can play their desired style and have success.
1: They were really close to making some some shockwaves at the 2018 World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, i feel like if you play that style you're bound to get a result you know we, we joke about this all the time big first game but it really matters if they could steal a point against england right. or three somehow like that would just give them so much confidence to go through the rest of the group and their second game is the biggest versus wales that's one where you have for win. either team it's must win yeah. so that's a really exciting one because one of those teams will have to take control they both don't want the ball and i think if you're looking at on paper it it might be Iran, given right. – despite parosh's sensibilities, I just think they'll – they have more attacking talent, and they'll probably have a little more of the ball. Um,
0: and I think he's intelligent enough to know that that's the moment to do it, right? You have to pick your moments, and that's going to be the moment for them. Because I think the dream scenario for Iran is to get to this super politically charged match with the U.S. on the last match day, needing only a point to go through. Like, you want to get to the last match day with the pressure on the U.S. Because I think there are more expectations, especially worldwide and within the U.S. squad, for the U.S. in that game. So, Iran want to somehow get, you know, four points going into that game where they can be the team that can sit back and force the U.S. to try and play. I think that's the dream for them.
1: I think you hit the nail on the head with them. And I think... If it's not that way, where maybe Iran needs to go after it, we could be in for one of the better games of the tournament yep. where two teams that are having to go after it with actually a lot of attacking talent. So maybe as a neutral, you want that. But either way, going to be very good theater whenever Iran play in all three of their games. So they're exciting for sure. Touched on, on, Wales, awesome.
0: on quickly. One more player. Sorry, really quickly. Mehdi Tarami, the Porto attacker, I think would be my player for them. He's got the number nine shirt. He's a good goal scorer. They're going to have to score goals at some point, obviously, to have success. And I think they have the attacking talent where they can.
1: I agree. He's been banging a man in the Champions League. Yeah. He gets into good positions, good striker. Last team here, we've touched on them, Wales. I think we both expect them to be the worst in this group, but they're still a top 20 team in FIFA ranking. Like, Yeah,
0: this is where I don't buy the whole like, oh, top 20 teams in FIFA rankings. Like Wales is objectively a bad team. Like credit to them for making the World Cup, but they're objectively a bad team. They're not good. They beat Ukraine to get to the World Cup. Uh, They've had successful runs at the Euro. I think they've punched above their weight for too long. But, like, at the end of the day, these are, like, mid-to-bottom-tier Premier League players and also Gareth Bale, who has been doing God knows what for six months in Los Angeles and then scoring a goal to break your Philadelphia Union heart.
1: Yes, unfortunately. Uh, That one really stung, but you you also hit this one on the head, too. You look at the squad. It's really not a top-20 team on talent. They just are not that good. I think saying they're bad is not that much of an insult to them. They scraped through qualification. They just got through um, a, a really a charged match against Ukraine. We're talking about politically charged right. matches. but
0: Imagine had you know, Ukraine they're... fallen in this group, right? Like if it's the U.S., England, Ukraine, and Iran in a group, two countries that are pretty much actively at war in Iran and Ukraine, dodged one there at least with Wales. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think this is a very good team. And I don't think that it's that much of a stretch to say that they could leave this world cup with zero points because I just don't see it necessarily for them. I don't know if they can play the way they need to play to get results. I,
1: I agree. I think what you saw the way they beat uh, Ukraine was a Gareth Bale free kick, right? right? Like they they're relying on a guy who's clearly past his prime and disinterested generally in playing the game of soccer to rekindle magic of four, eight, 10 years ago. That's not saying he can't do it, but their other methods of getting proven attacking quality is just there's there's not a lot. Yeah. They're physical. They're physical, but like it's it's not really going to go the way they hope. And the other thing is the US and England are not naive enough to like right. let them just go through them on the counter. They'll be it'll be it'll be scrappy ugly games, which is what Wales want, but it won't be open for them.
0: Yeah, and I don't think anybody is dumb enough to let Gareth Bale cook, right? And like, yeah, you give Bale credit. Like, best player. Yeah, like, he hasn't been super interested in playing football for a while now, but he, he has been interested in playing for Wales, and he's been committed to this team, and and I think that was why you saw the LAFC. but Like, he's not going to hang it up six months away from a World Cup from this huge moment for Wales, but there's absolutely a chance that this is it for him, right? Like, he might just be done-done when this World Cup is done, and he's just going to go hit golf balls for the rest of his life.
1: I think this is his last World Cup, and that's something John Arnold mentioned. A lot of these stars, um, Bale is one of them, and I think he has a moment of quality or two in him. We'll see if it's enough to get Wales even in the conversation on the final day.
0: All right, Group C, we've touched on Argentina. They're both of our picks to win the World Cup. We've touched on Mexico. Let's get to these other two teams here. Four years ago, Saudi Arabia were a great World Cup team because they were bad and chaotic. Unfortunately for the neutrals, it appears as they w- though they will be getting to this World Cup as bad and boring, which is the worst possible combination for a soccer team. Hevrenard, uh, who we saw four years ago manage Morocco at the World Cup, the well-dressed, well-coiffed French manager, has taken over this Saudi Arabian team, and he's really helped them kind of improve their defense. Which, I admit, is bad news for us because it means they're just gonna be bad and get beat.
1: I agree. They're going to try to do an Iran impression, right? uh, and just with less talent. Um, Talk about talented teams at the World Cup. I think we agree this is probably bottom three, maybe the worst on talent. Um, They do have the similar thing as the Qatar boost that they've all been training together. They're very well Yeah, but that's what we said four years ago,
0: and then they got cooked 5-0 by... By drugged up Russia in the World Cup opening yeah. game, so like I'm yeah, not so, fighting this whole so, like oh, training camp thing. Like I'm not following.
1: No, I, I think that's a small thing, but it's definitely not going to swing sure. their uh, things enough. And then I think right. you know, just in terms of the group, they're clearly the fourth best team. Yeah, Mexico and Poland are going to make it a mission to score as many goals as possible against Saudi Arabia, which is also bad news. And sure, they're going to bunker, but I, I just don't. I, I I'm struggling to see a scenario where they even get. win they might be able to luck into a draw with great defending for 90 minutes but this is this is profiling as a team that is one of the most likely to get a zero in terms of points
0: yeah and like I think I can envision a scenario in which Mexico has a really bad day and Saudi Arabia picks up something off of them but look game one Saudi Arabia Argentina you're trying to tell me that Lionel Messi doesn't realize that this is his chance to jump out to a huge golden boot lead like yeah Argentina are going to come out firing Robert Lewandowski is going to come out firing. And I just really can't imagine that this is going to go well for Saudi Arabia. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you about a player because I know you just don't want to touch any of these 26 names. I think for me, it's Salem al-Saudi. Wow, that even got me. Uh, Al-Halal player, scored 17 goals for Saudi Arabia. I remember him from the last World Cup. He's, He's an interesting kind of wing player for them. I would like for them to play more chaotic soccer because chaotic soccer is fun for the neutral. But I understand them kind of wanting to to tap it down going into this group, but I just don't think they're going to be interesting or good. So, yeah, maybe they'll prove me wrong. They probably won't. Uh, Poland, Amit, uh, the question for them, look, we kind of know where this team is headed. It's towards Robert Lewandowski. He's the captain. He's the goal scorer. He's the talisman. Can they do enough that he has enough success that they can get out of this group, which is probably what will be defined as success for them.
1: It's going to be really interesting for them. They're going to
0: have a game
1: against Mexico, which if they could win that game, they'll be in the driver's seat. That is a hashtag big first game, as we will tell you. I think that totally changes the complexion of what's going to happen after. If they get a draw in that, um, we'll see what they can do in the next two. But if they get a win, they'll probably be able to to see it out. They're very compact defensively. You look at their roster, there's a lot of talent, but they – it's a little old, a little slow. Obviously, Lewandowski's still in some of the best form, goal-scoring form of his life. Um, there is a few uh, MLS legends here. in Carol Swiderski, and I'm not going to say his first name, but Frankowski, who's on Lens, used to play for the Chicago Fire. A rather unsuccessful stint, but that's how most uh, DPs with the Chicago Fire do. What? DP goes.
0: unsuccessful with the Chicago Fire?
1: Never. Uh, doesn't stay, happen. Stay, stay tuned for more on that. Um,
0: look, I – I think they'll
1: the play opportunistically. I watched some of Poland in qualifying in Nations League. They play just some of the most, like, blah-style soccer. Like, they just do it, – it's very – they're talented. They'll sit back. They can press. They'll counter. They use the ball. But, like, they, they don't have any, like, particular calling cards uh, of interesting style. I mean, if you want something to watch, Lewandowski in the box is incredible, and hopefully they'll get him chances. But – when they play better teams, the service just dries up. He's not a guy that's going to go create the goal. He needs to finish the goal. So I'm not sure, like, against good teams, that'll happen. But Mexico is right in that zone where they both should have a fair share of chances either way. So I think they can get through that game. They can get through this group. I'd probably tip towards Mexico. But we talked about it in the Conca pod. The vibes in Mexico are really bad. So maybe they just don't need to beat themselves.
0: Poland, to me, are just like. A stereotypical, mediocre European team that makes the World Cup, that makes every Euro, and, like, you just never really remember that they're there. And maybe that's the case for them again this year. But with this group breaking the way it is, maybe there's an opportunity for them. I just am not really that bothered by Poland. Like, even in their best-case scenario, like, this is a round of 16 team, right? Like, Correct. Uh, It'd don't... be very
1: hard to see them winning this group, almost impossible. They could do it, but it's most likely it's if they get. It's most likely if they get through their second, and then they're going to have a very very tough uh, round of sixteen match where they'd not be favored, and they'd have to hope for pens and bunker through. Ugh. You know, I do think we talk about Mexico Memo, um, who's a real phenomenon. They have a good goalkeeper uh, yeah. in Wojciech Szczesny. Uh, he's very experienced. He's good at penalty kicks. He's been around the block in international uh, and domestic competition. That's something that could end up deciding a match, specifically that Mexico-Poland match. So, I think we sure. we don't like this team, but we, we respect that they could get out of this group. But it's hard to see a ceiling more than a round of 16 exit, and we probably are leaning
0: Mexico. Yeah, like, I just think, like, when you look back at this World Cup, you're never going to remember that Poland was there, or had a role, or did anything, right? Like, they were at the World Cup four years ago, and, like... They didn't do it. Their biggest thing was like they snuck into pot one because they gamed the FIFA rankings and then they failed to get out of the group. Like, good job, Poland. Thanks for coming back.
1: That brings us to Group D. Um, and we start with the winners of last World Cup, France. And then they also had kind of had an unceremonious dumping at Euro 2020 against Switzerland when they were up 3-1. Austin, which France are we getting?
0: Firstly, when you say last World Cup, you just desperately want to say last year at the World Cup. right? Like I want to do that I, too. Like
1: I'm so close to saying it.
0: Yeah, it's just like uh, last year at the World Cup. But like no, it was four years ago. Um, I don't know what France we're going to get. Like From a personal perspective, I'm hoping we get chaotic, dumped out of the Euro 2020 France. Because I think that's better for the overall tournament and for what I want to happen at the tournament. But that doesn't change the fact that this is still a really good team with super talented players. And an experienced manager and the defending World Cup champions. Like, you put all that together, and it's probably not likely that we get 2020 Euro France at this World Cup. But I think it's possible, and you have the whole injury question with them, and you've got an interesting midfield, right?
1: Yeah, you hit it. They're missing Conte, uh, one of the best midfielders in the world. He allowed them to play the way they did the last two major tournaments because he covers so much defensive ground. They're also missing Paul Pogba, who at this point is probably definitely past his prime, but still very good midfielder. They might have two really young, fun, exciting midfielders who play together for Madrid, but is that going to help them play the way they want? Didier Deschamps is a pretty conservative manager. He's not like Southgate. It it helps that Mbappe is probably the best player to play counterattacking football with in the world, but I'm not sure that they're... The, the injuries to them are going to let them play they want to play, which might be good for them.
0: Chouameni and Kamavinga were the two names that you ran away from there when you went with the two Real Madrid French midfielders. Yeah. I, got shook.
1: I got Kamavinga. I was not going to try.
0: Yeah. The other one. You're yeah. shook, man. You, you've you got the yips. You've got the name yips here.
1: I see them all in my head, but right. I'm like – I. See- I don't, you don't want to hear me mis- yeah. mispronounce it. Look, sure. I got Kareem Benzema. He's one of the best strikers in the world, too. Yep. And Antoine Griezmann. This team is loaded with talent. And yeah. I think a really interesting thing, we were talking about this with some of our friends um, who watched some soccer. Argentina was up 2-1 on them in the round of 16. Like, and that bad was
0: Argentina. Like, bad desperately Argentina. bad Argentina. And,
1: and that was because Angel Di Maria hit, like, an insane worldie low xg chance argentina on the whole was getting outplayed that game and they went on to get outplayed but france didn't tie it by like battering them down france scored an insane goal one of the best goals of all time from benjamin Pavard, who just i'm doing the hand motion you know the angle i just
0: watch that goal from the behind the goal angle every time yeah
1: you could just it's so filthy
0: but france
1: Almost would be better in chaos. It seems like, but they don't want to play that way. Look, I think we're. It's similar to Brazil, and a lot of these top teams. We're not going to know what it's like for them in a tough moment until a tough moment happens, and it's right. unlikely that happens for this team until a quarterfinal.
0: Yeah, it shouldn't happen in the group stage for them because this is a really weak group. They just are running back their group, except they're replacing a fun Peru team with Tunisia. So. France and the team that we're going to get to here in a second in Denmark, they're the two heavy, heavy favorites of this group. And, like, I'm trying to do the mental gymnastics to make this group fun, and it's just really hard.
1: We both agree that Group D is the most uncompetitive in the tournament because there's a clear gap between the top two and the bottom two. And it's because we all think Denmark is good. They're a good European team. But I have to ask, a lot of people are saying Denmark dark horse run – Is it just because they kind of fell backwards into a good run at Euro 2020?
0: Well, so I think the thing with Denmark is, like, they are the sexy dark horse pick because they're almost the only dark horse pick, right? Like, once you get past the top tier of European teams, which I think we'd probably cut off, like, after the Netherlands, like, your choices are pretty much, like, Denmark or Uruguay if you want to, like, pick a legitimate dark horse team that actually has a chance. Then you factor in the whole you know, positive group stage draw, and it's like, yeah, they're a dark horse, but I don't know. I don't know that Denmark are actually that good.
1: I think you hit it right there is that those two teams have the best chances to just be in the round of 16 no matter what. And they, there's right. a non-zero chance they could win their group and have an even better draw. But
0: Right. Like I can absolutely see Denmark beating France and topping which this group. They, because they've I, had... And then that really opens things yes, up, right? I
1: agree. And they've they've had that result in Nations League, I believe. Um, it's a good team. And there's a lot of guys who are playing around the top clubs in Europe. It's talented. I think there are other European teams who are on this level, not Poland, but we'll talk about Serbia, we'll talk about Switzerland, talk about well, Belgium's kind of above them, but they're they're in that mix. I just this team doesn't have right. like game-breaking talent they're just very solid up and down their roster
0: and i also think like people really like seeing christian erickson doing well like duh obviously who wouldn't this is a dude who literally you know had a near-death experience while playing in a major tournament and now at the very next major tournament is back and has a really talented team around him like that's obviously a great story and people are drawn to that but i just don't know that like like you said like, I think Denmark could, like, make the quarterfinals. I just don't know that they'll do it in an exciting enough way that I'd care.
1: I agree. That makes
0: sense. And that's harsh. That's really no, harsh. Yeah, if
1: they make a but, run, it'll yeah. be fun for people that like soccer for Denmark. And it's a good story to root sure. for. Um, they have a not, lot of national pride. Um, they're also, you know, supporting some of the good causes in soccer, which is great. Right. I, I mean, you look at their team. They have guys that are good strikers, like Yusuf Poulsen at Leipzig. Martin Braithwaite, who's stealing lots of money from Barcelona, probably still. Um, And then... What a move that was. Uh, Casper Dolberg, who is a a good international striker. We have a pretty good track record of that. Like, it's a a good team. And, you know, around Ericsson as well in the midfield, it's good. Delaney uh, played at Dortmund for a long time. Like, good goalkeeper too. They check a lot of boxes of a good team. I just, like... I, I don't. To your point about it being particularly exciting, it's not necessarily a style or a player that's going to wow you. I think the thing that's fun is like Ericsson is still a very good player and, and very creative right. passer. He gives them that little bit of flair on the field and just the vibes are great. The vibes with this Denmark team are good. So that's why I was like, you said it yourself like, oh, that'd be harsh. Like, I'm not going to care if they do it. Like, no, we'll care. But like, specifically on the field, it's not going to be like, the most fun soccer you've ever seen.
0: Speaking of not fun soccer, the other two teams of this group. Let's start with Australia. Will they score a goal? I don't know. <laughs> almost <laughs> almost
1: everyone looks... Uh, this is something I thought about answering, but maybe we can answer it if we get closer in the tournament. I'm sure someone yeah. has the note. Almost everyone gets a goal in the World Cup. It's really... Panama oh got a goal. goal. It's really hard to get skunked in three games. I think Australia-Tunisia is a game begging for like a 1-1 or 2-1. Someone gets a late consolation penalty just for good vibes. Australia might be the worst team at the World Cup. And despite the fact that they have players who are not just Australian-based, you look at talent and it's not great. They're just not a lot of guys playing for good teams and their best player is a wash championship level player aaron moy like i don't know i don't think they're gonna score it maybe that's harsh maybe they'll get one
0: so australia is near and dear to my heart because they have the only stoke city player at this world cup which is harry Souter, keeping our stoke city legends run going uh we've dropped pretty far from sending sheridan shakiri to the world cup and now we're sending harry Souter to the world cup with australia um The one redeeming quality of this group to me is that Australia and Tunisia don't play on the final day. If those two teams played on the final day, it'd have 6-6-0-0 dead rubber written all over it. The fact that they play on match day two means that those two teams will have to go for the win there. And regardless of the result, this group won't be wrapped up going into the last day unless something wild happens and France or Denmark are out, which would sign me up. I'm excited for that. So that's the redeeming quality of this group for me is that there will be stakes in the Australia Tunisia game. Uh, But yeah, this is a bad Australia team. You picked out Aaron Moy. I think he's the guy here. I've always been an Aaron Moy hater for just no reason that I think he's bad. Um, And this team is not good. Like their most exciting story is that they had a backup goalkeeper do some antics in a penalty shootout to make the world cup. So bad team, bad group, probably not going to remember. We
1: agree on that. The other team here is Tunisia. Uh, I think we both, kind of like their squad a little more than Australia, but they're also in that neighborhood, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, the question for Tunisia is, like, if you put them in a different group, there'd probably be better chance for success. Um, and also, they weren't that great in, in World Cup qualifying either. Like, this was a team that was super fortunate in the World Cup. They lost to Equatorial Guinea and still got out of their group they got a really favorable draw in the playoff and, and got to play a bad team to make the World Cup. So that kind of is working against them. Uh, but what what is working for them is is Wabi Kazri, right? In the midfield, like, he's a player we all know. He's a super talented player and could be enough that maybe they spring a shock result.
1: Yeah, I think their game against Denmark um, actually carries intrigue if if they can do something. But Denmark's a little bit better. And then I think it's more...
0: So uh, so, uh, so uh, is what you're saying a uh, big first game? It is.
1: If they lose to Denmark, it's going to feel like they're pretty done.
0: So wrapping up Group D, let's move on to Group E, which is another group that on paper looks like there's two good teams and two teams that are kind of hanging behind, but maybe that's not the case. Let's start with Spain. Is Luis Enrique the right kind of crazy for this Spain team?
1: He might be. They had a really good run at Euro 20. They made a semifinal. I... Uh, as a fan, I said in the very first podcast, I'm hoping for teams to play attacking soccer. He has said he's going to do that. He has right. said he's going to go out, play with the ball, create chances. They've got a really good attacking squad. I think he's crazy enough that it might
0: work. And he's apparently said that he's going to do that on Twitch because he's just going to talk on Twitch to us for the whole World Cup. So uh, the most plugged in online manager of this World Cup award, at least to start out with, goes with, goes to Luis Enrique, right?
1: definitely when he says the whole world cup does he just mean like on the field during yeah, the game i don't game? know, know. it's just going at all time I'm when not he's sure. sleeping i don't know i don't really know how twitch
0: works like i mean i kind of know how twitch works but like it feels like the type of thing that maybe he's just going to leave it on and we'll just see what happens all right actually on the field for spain like you said this is an uber talented squad there were some interesting players left out i think chiago alcantara is is probably the the most notable of the names left out but regardless, there's a lot of really interesting players. If you can only pick out one to highlight, who's it going to be?
1: If it's just one, I think the most interesting player is Pedri. He yep. won the Young Player of the Year award. Um, he's just already one of the best midfielders of the world, and he's 18. Yeah, 19. Um, 19 now, yeah. I think the big question for Spain is... They have a lot of talent, but can they get a reliable goal scorer? And a lot of that falls onto Alvaro Morata's shoulders. But he did it at Euro 20, right? He scored three goals in the knockouts. If he can get in a good goal scoring form, the chances are going to be there for this team. Like, the talent just oozes off the page.
0: Right, and... and what Spain do we see? Like is are we going to get the death by a thousand cuts Spain that we were traditionally used to or are we going to get like a rock and roll wide open attacking Spain looking to create chances?
1: Yeah, obviously tiki-taka was 12 years ago, right? That's a Guardiola thing that a lot of those Barcelona players did and they won 08 Euros, 10 World Cup, 12 uh Euros. And then at 14 they kind of got rocked by Netherlands and that was on their way out, and in yeah, 2018 they still had some of those guys. Like Iniesta was in the it was in that squad, and they kind of did the let's string together 500 passes and lost to Russia in a round right. of 16 on penalty kicks. I think it's not that same amount of dedication to passing, but I think what in terms of like modern attacking football, they're going to want the ball. They're going to commit players to the attack. They're going to overload you in areas, and they're going to try to get into the like highest uh, quality chance spots in the box, like right in the middle by working it from uh, the byline where you do that cutback. That's really popular now in today's soccer. And, And I think they're going to, you know, try to press to win the ball back immediately. Like not necessarily like constant, constant pressing, but specifically when they lose the ball, which has been a trademark of Spain teams, it's going to be very easy on the eye to watch. The thing is the more numbers they commit forward, there's going to be a lot of chances right. the other way. And that's the question for them. And they're betting that we can play this style of soccer better than you can.
0: Do you buy that Costa Rica can cause them problems in the opening game?
1: Uh, maybe if they get it early. But the longer that uh, Spain settle in and kind of pepper them, it'll feel like inevitability. Can they right. score the goal? Um, I We talked about Costa Rica. I don't think the talent's there. But, sure. you know, Campbell just needs – one run one run he gets one on like spain will commit numbers there could be a one-on-one a one-on-two mm-hmm. where it can happen so i actually really like this spain squad like i'm okay. personally hoping for them to be a, like my team that i'll like get behind from a footballing perspective but very well very well could crash out and burn not not, not necessarily in the group but we'll i mean let's we'll talk about it. i mean there's germany next so let's talk yeah, about that
0: speaking of crashing out and burn that's what germany did in 2018 are they gonna do it again
1: Wow, one of the most disappointing ones, right? Germany is
0: Yeah, I they made clearly J- they made what's his face? Lineker wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Football is a simple game. Uh actually not. Germany sometimes loses. Um Germany is one of the most uh decorated countries in soccer history. Yep. They just are. It's like Brazil, Germany. Like yep. it it really is historically. I mean, there's Argentina, France and and then you get in a little deeper. Italy, Uruguay. It was really, really shocking for them, and I think it really shook people by surprise. Especially after 2014, you win and then you don't get out of the group stage. I don't think they have the talent of that winning squad in 14, but this is a really good. This is a really good team, and they are also loaded with attacking talent. They also have a clear system. Um, Hansi Flick is going to play Bayern ball, which is. Use the ball to create offense, but not in the way of Spain's sustained possession. They're going to get the ball. They're going to go forward. They're going to put in the box. They're going to cross. They're going to shoot. And they're going to do that a bunch of times. And they're going to hope that their really good players just kind of cook you, like Gnabry, Musiala, Sané. Just a terrifying front three. Issue for them, similar to Spain, they lost their striker. Timo Werner got hurt. Um, so now it's a lot of question you marks. You want to
0: have 33-year-old Thomas Mueller to try and finish off those chances? Like...
1: Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe they're gonna they're gonna mix and match. Like he he scored. He's won a golden boot. They called up this Dortmund wonder boy Mukoko. Can
0: but... I interest you in a twenty nine year old playing for Werder Bremen who's never been capped by Germany and Niklas Fulcrug?
1: Yeah, I I don't know. Like I think it's gonna be midfielders having to score goals, and they can do that. But is that sustainable uh, over a whole tournament? And listen, also for them set pieces. Germany is consistently one of the best set-piece teams in the world every World Cup, every cycle, every year. It'll matter for them. They have aerial threats on the back line. Um, Hopefully they can play a striker that can do that too. They have great dead ball specialists. I think that their limitations are going to hamper them, but this team is going to have a really fun round of 16 match and maybe can make a run.
0: Japan is the other team in this group we haven't touched on. We obviously touched on Costa Rica and the CONCACAF podcast. Is there enough in this Japan squad that they can stop one of these favorites and somehow get through from the group? I think
1: on balance, the answer is no, but Spain and Germany have flaws, and every year, every World Cup, (laughs) there it goes again, is some weird stuff happens, right? right? It's just it does seem like either Spain or Germany might might slip up. And Japan, well, I don't think they're better than them, are just the right type of team to, like, stun them. And I know they're not – they're two Asian teams, but they play differently. But it's very similar to how South Korea stunned Germany yep. at 2018. And it was also, you know, they had to rescue a point against Sweden. But I really like this Japan team. I, I think on balance the task is too hard. What do you think?
0: So – I'm trying to, like, decide what bold predictions I'm actually going to walk out and make. Like, I've got, like, this stable of, like, five or six bold predictions that I've got, you know, like, loaded in the gun. And I'm ready to just go firing them off. But I understand that I can't just make all six of them and then wait one gets right, right? So one of the things I'm toying with is – and we'll do one more show before the World Cup starts. And, and I'll have made my decision by then. One of the predictions I'm toying with is that Germany or Spain will go out and they'll go out because Japan will go through. I really like this Japan team. I think they bounced back really well in qualifying from a pretty shaky start and they hit their form and they just went running. They're super experienced. They know what they want to do and I think they're going to be successful in doing it and there's some really talented players here. You look at a player like Takuni Minamino who's playing in Monaco. He scored 17 goals with Japan. He's the type of player who can cause difficulty for Spain and Germany. I think the pressure is off Japan, and I think that really works in their favor in that, you know, they can go into a match against Germany to open this World Cup, and they can see what they can do and, and try and make noise. So I'm kind of talking myself into actually making that prediction come Friday, but I like this Japan team, and I really want them to do well, and I'm still mad about what happened in 2018 where they blew that 2-0 lead against the Belgian team that I really didn't like.
1: I agree with you. I like this team as well. The squad is full of talent. I think what's important is when you play Germany and Spain, two attacking teams, you need a good backline, and they have that. Tomiyasu, right. good Arsenal defender. Maya Yoshida, yeah, he's old, but he's still playing in the Bundesliga. He's familiar with these guys. There Very we go. Player. I love that
0: World Cup trope. I love, and I'm not bragging br- on you for this, but I love okay. that. Oh, he's playing in a league where these other guys are playing. You know, like, whatever. My yeah. He no, is because good because he's good. But
1: yes, no, he is like good it, because though. he's good. Um, And a, a name we haven't mentioned who, if Japan has a successful tournament, a run, a guy that's probably going to matter is Daichi Kamada, who is nicknamed Mr. Europa League, but now he's also Mr. Champions League because, well. Yeah, yeah he was <laughs> he was he was until tottenham had a little voodoo but um uh eintracht frankfurt are good he's good this is a fun team i think this is also yeah. like a team that they're going to play attacking soccer but also counter-attacking soccer they do a little bit of everything
0: they're
1: i, I relentless. think
0: it, like that's are. the thing i like about watching japan play is they're relentless and they stick to their game plan and they press yeah. and they play hard and they do everything they're a team that you want to see succeed so like yeah yeah go Japan. It made
1: life miserable for the United States right, uh, yeah. in that pre-World Cup friendly. Did. And basically game plan just came in and wrecked everything Greg Burhalter was trying to do uh with their press. So, we both like them. Uh last team uh, no, we well, we, we talked we,
0: co- we, we don't need to talk done with Costa Rica. It's going to yeah, be yeah. a bad World Cup. Gonna be a bad World
1: Cup. We'll move on to group F. We on the first podcast said this is our most intriguing group because yep. all four teams here are good. We talked about Canada and Concacaf. They're definitely a really fun team. You got to start with Belgium. Yep. Golden Generation, Austin. I know your answer, but please tell the people: Is this the year?
0: No. Next team. Let's move on. <laughs> um, no. Like, <laughs> look. I don't like Belgium. I've never really liked Belgium. I'm sick of the whole Golden Generation narrative. But it's insane. Like this team is bringing hand. I'm going to do the count live. One, two, three, four, five, six different players with more than a hundred caps for Belgium. And they're also bringing Thibaut Courtois, who has 96. So they are very experienced. I think the issue with the fact that they're very experienced is that that means they're bringing a lot of old guys. And like, I don't think in the year 2022 that Jan Vertonghen and Toby aldo should be actively participating in your World Cup, and they're going to actively participate for Roberto Martinez. And I think that's a bad sign for Belgium. But they also have Kevin De Bruyne, who is one of the most talented players in the world and can maybe paper over some of those deficiencies.
1: I think you hit the nail on the head and part of the golden generation is at its peak. Those two defenders specifically <laughs> were when they were at their peak is right. what I was saying. Sure, they, spe- sure, yeah. they specifically were two of the best center backs in the world. And it was just like position by position. Belgium starting 11 was up there with, you could pick any teams. Now you could say that, but they're attacking talent. Like De Bruyne is still good. The hazard brothers are still good. Lukaku Lukaku. has been in bad form, but is a very good international striker, and he is the type of striker I think because of his physicality that he does even better in international play. He just you watch the Belgium game or the Belgium Japan game, he gave Japan fits. Like he's that good. The issue is this time their defense is not world class when you go position by position with other good teams. That's because Alderweireld and Vertonghen are uh, old and slow. Uh, They're still relying, I believe, on Denier. No? I look at the squad. I don't think he's in it, but that's okay. Leander Dendocker, he's a good defender in England. He'll play. I think they might play a back three, but, like, that's just asking so much of those two older guys.
0: You look at this group. Alfonso Davies, Canada. Uh Uh-oh. Hakimi, Morocco. Uh Uh-oh. Like, there are the players in this group to really give that whole backline idea fits. That being said, Courtois is a really good goalkeeper and can can paper over any sort of cracks that that might be there. Um, Croatia, they made a run to the World Cup final at the last World Cup in Russia. Is the midfield quality still that good for Croatia, and can they make noise at this World Cup?
1: I think they could still make noise because, yes, the quality is still that good. Uh, Luka Modric is still one of the best midfielders in the world, and he is probably up there with Conte in terms of like, I don't know how this guy runs this much, uh, especially at his age. Yeah, He's I know. 37. He's... It's insane. But um, Mateo Kovacic at Chelsea and then Marcelo Brozovic at Inter, they play with him. It's just a really solid three. All three of them can go forward and backwards. It's a great hub of the team. You know, I think they lack a little bit of speed on the front line. Uh, I think they lack a little bit of speed on the back line. They've tried to fix that by bringing in this young guy from Leipzig, Josko Gvardiol. I don't know how to say that name. There's a V after the G. I dare you to say that at home, listener. But he's he's a really good center back. And then I heard some news that he's kind of dealing with a knock. So we'll see if he plays. If they have to go with their older backs, like 33-year-old Dejan Lovren, that's a bad sign. Yeah, can so, I interest
0: you in a little Domogash Vita? Are we ready to run him back out now that he's in the Greek league?
1: Yeah, like it. They're a little old. They're a little past it. But you know, every year there's a European team that's just kind of in plain sight that makes a run because they have good in all three good in all three position groups. Good goalkeeper. They play good soccer. They don't beat themselves. Yeah, but that the problem Croatia. is.
0: The problem is that was Croatia four years ago. Like yeah, I don't know a, that I buy that I can do, do that again. again. I think what makes this group so interesting to me is you don't have the clear-cut favorites, and I think you also have two bigger European teams that I don't think are among the best. And I think that's what leads this, to this group being wide open is I can absolutely see Belgium and Croatia's flaws. And because of that... I think Canada and Morocco are two teams that are well-positioned to kind of take advantage of that. And that's why this group is interesting to me is that I don't have to stretch my mind that much to come up with a scenario in which this group is interesting. And I think that unlike in other groups, this isn't necessarily a hashtag big first game group. Because I think everybody can take points off everybody. And that makes every game interesting here in that you won't have a team where you go for three points in one game and you bunker in the other games. No, I think every team approaches every game as an opportunity to get three points here. And that brings us to Morocco. Can they rampage through an open group? They made a managerial change. They got rid of Halahodzowicz and they brought in Walid Rigaegui and they have a super interesting squad and they have maybe one of the best fullbacks in this tournament in Atra Hakimi of PSG of PSG. I almost said the Spanish name. I almost went pass hey there cuz you know, <laughs> work in Spanish all day.
1: He is one of the best attacking he's one of the best attacking players of the tournament and he plays fullback which makes him awesome. They also have uh Hakim Ziyech who yep. at Chelsea is kind of un- underwhelming. At uh, Chelsea fans would tell you they're not happy with him but He's a very, very good attacker. So right there off the bat, you just have the type of talent to trouble these slower back lines, potentially with Belgium and Croatia. So the answer is, can they rampage through a group? The answer is yes. I think it's, they have the talent to get out, but I think it's going to be situational the way the games break if they can just, they need, they need bounces. They need a few bounces. They're, they have to beat Canada. They have to beat Canada. And that's a game that I think is maybe one of the most fun games of the group stage we would agree and i think it's as as a viewer you should be expecting so i think they can do it i think i like canada's chances maybe a little more because they're a little more sound defensively but i i watch morocco i've seen them play a few times i know i watched them play against the united states yeah and that's a, a, a different team open. right like yeah. i think you
0: like Because of the managerial change, I think Morocco looked a lot better in September than they did in June. And that's what kind of gives me hope that they can take advantage of this group.
1: Yeah, I I just know that at World Cups, upsets happen in the group stage. Teams don't get out. And I look at these two groups, Group E that we just talked about and Group F. I think one of them and maybe both those four favorites are not all making it through. Right. And I don't know why. I don't know how. And if you had, to, if I had to pick between Canada and Morocco, I'm not sure that I could. I like both of them a lot. But I just think that weird stuff happens. And Canada and Morocco are two teams that thrive on chaos. Like, Morocco wants a chaotic open game. That's going to help them. And we talk about this a lot. Like, our team's naive enough to let it happen. But I just think the way game states work is that, No one's going to be able to sit back and defend for 90 minutes because you need points from every game, which leads to this being the type of group that Morocco could get through.
0: And Canada also feasts on a game like that. And I think that's what makes it really interesting, like you said, is the two, quote unquote, challengers, if you will, the non-European teams in this group really thrive in kind of an open style of play. And that's what we're going to get in this group. So I'm excited for Group F. I think everybody's excited for Group F. I am definitively less excited for Group G, where I think Brazil are going to cruise. We talked about them a lot. Let's talk about Serbia. Is the experience that they have the right ingredient for a run? You look through the squad, there's a lot of familiar names, but we kind of saw this group and they weren't that great in this exact group four years ago.
1: Yeah, I think Serbia and Switzerland are two very similar profiles. They're both good European teams. They've got really talented squads they're kind of in that tier we talked about with Denmark earlier could make a run I think on odds making because they're both in the same group only one of them is going to have a chance to get out if they can and we'll talk about Cameroon I think Switzerland is a little better than Serbia the experience helps them but we saw it they just don't have a lot of juice they're a little slow around the field. And, you know, that physical and heady style, I think they're a very smart team, can can pay dividends for sure. But it's going to come down to that Serbia-Switzerland game. It probably will come down to that game. But I like Switzerland a little bit better. I do think Serbia is just on the whole a little past it versus Switzerland actually is a little young talent that we'll talk about.
0: Um, my favorite Serbian player is the Manja Guždel because he's the only Serbian player whose last name does not end in a C. So we love the Slavic languages, baby. Um, look, I don't really know a whole lot about this Serbian team. They're again in that group of like mediocre European teams that help make up a World Cup but aren't necessarily memorable unless until they are. So yeah, let's see what happens. I'm not super amped for this group. Let's touch on Switzerland where our question is. Can they be the talented European team? Wow, this is literally what we talked about. Can they be the talented <laughs> European team to make a run? We're all overlooking in plain sight. Like, again, you touched on it. They're in that group of second-tier European teams where one of them always breaks out of that tier and makes a run. Can it be Switzerland?
1: I think I know you want to talk about Shakiri
0: Yeah, I mean, I got a lot to get off my stage. chest. I'll let you talk about but, the real stuff first.
1: This is a team, I think, uh, an underrated player that can make a breakout at this World Cup is Noah Okafor. He's at Red Bull Red Bull Salzburg. He's only 22. He's been talked about as a guy that's going to potentially go to maybe Leipzig, maybe a club in Europe uh, that likes a pressing striker, uh, maybe a Dortmund in the Bundesliga. He's really exciting. and I There's a lot of old players that we know on Switzerland. Harris Safarevich, Granit Xhaka. Jerdon Shakiri, who you'll talk about. But then there's just a little bit more of like Briel Mbolo is a player. He's only 25. He has over 50 caps. He scored. And Okafor is a guy who runs really hard, really fast, and has got quality in the box. Switzerland, to me, profiles more as that team that could do it. But, you know, Switzerland's there's no guarantee that they will. They could lose to Serbia in any way. Let's talk about Shakiri. I know you've got a lot to say. We're hyping this up only because. Austin made it a pet project of his to yeah. like, hate watch the Chicago Fire all year. And the results delivered. Yeah. would been
0: bad, man. So, like, look. Here's my th- – like, this is what Sheridan Shakira has been building towards, right? Like, the entire last 18 months of his life have been building towards this World Cup. Because it certainly was not building towards playing soccer for the Chicago Fire. He went to the Chicago Fire and he did exactly what we thought he would do. He led them to 12th place in the Eastern Conference. He scored six goals. Three of them were really good. And he was generally disinterested in being a member of the Chicago Fire. And now he's at the World Cup, and he's got to, like, flip that switch again. Like, look, Stoke City legend. I'll remember the free kick that he scored when we were in a relegation fight that I thought was going to save Stoke that did not save Stoke. And now we're, you know, in the bottom dregs of the championship. Same spot we were before. Um like Sheridan Shakiri is uber talented and he's also just generally disinterested in doing things. But I think this is the type of situation where maybe he becomes interested in doing something. And that's what makes watching him at the World Cup fun. But I can assure you that watching him at the Chicago Fire was not, in fact, fun.
1: It was not. It was no. not. The thing with Shakiri is, you know, I think the Fire and some other people are like, he's a big name. He's been. I know he's at Stoke, but he was at Liverpool. He was right. at Bayern. Of like course. he's a world class player, and he is a world class player. But he's always been a system player, and at right. his peak, he was really fast. And I think,
0: like, he's not a good player to build your team around because right. no defensive effort has mm. lost the speed that he once had. And like, he's a luxury midfield player who can hit a really good pass and take free kicks. Yeah. and like in the way that MLS is currently functioning like that player is just not needed on a team that is finishing 12th in the conference because he's useless.
1: Unfortunately. Yes. That being said, as we talked about the Switzerland team has some talent, so he won't be asked to be the guy, which maybe he'll give us a goal or two that we really like. I like Switzerland. I think you're meh. They could do a run last team in this group. Cameroon. I know you like them.
0: I like Cameroon.
1: Really fun squad.
0: Yeah, um, the question for Cameroon is like, is it going to work? And the early signs are not great, right? Uh, their manager is is Regalbert Song. He replaced the, the the Portuguese manager Antonio Conceição a little while ago. Samuel Eto, who obviously big time soccer fans know, is very involved with this team and is kind of the the brains behind the the Cameroonian federation uh, at the squad press conference Rigobert Song appeared to have some issues pronouncing some player names which may suggest some unfamiliarity with players that are going to the World Cup. Uh they close with Brazil. So I think there's a non-zero chance that 26 Cameroonian players are not available for the match against Brazil. I think this team screams chaos and I love it, right? Uh Vincent Aboubakar played. So Cameroon played this friendly match against um Jamaica in Cameroon with a domestic-based squad and also Vincent Abubakar, who played 44 minutes for them and then came off before halftime and was giving interviews before he even got off the pitch. Uh, The vibes are spectacular with this team, probably in all of the wrong ways, but I think, to be fair, they are the perfect counter to what I feel is kind of a pretty boring Switzerland and Serbia combination. Like, let's throw a little Cameroon in this group and, and ask for a little bit of spice in chaos, and it probably won't work, but it'll hopefully be entertaining.
1: Yeah, they should be entertaining. I think another reason we like them is just there's a lot of guys in the squad that we are familiar with.
0: Yeah, I mean, Stoke I Legend, Choco have Stoke
1: Legend, a Tottenham Legend, and a current Union player, and one of the most well-liked MLS players, uh, Nuhu, who is just a exactly what you want for in terms of a chaotic center back. He's a center back that thinks he's a striker or a winger. So it's a fun team. I, I think they could, you know, just if everything goes right, they could just get into chaotic games with Serbia and Switzerland and get through Um, the vibes are are bad. So (laughs)
0: like, I think it's super interesting as well in that, like you have one, two, you have a you have a pair of players who are playing in the Cameroonian league who have yet to be capped Like, that absolutely screams of Samuel Eto'o just putting these dudes in the squad to put them in the squad. Um, Yeah. Like, look, if there's a team that's going to fall apart at this World Cup, Cameroon are very big candidates for it. Portugal are obviously candidates for it as well. So keep your eyes open here. I think this is a team that's going to give us plenty of content for this podcast.
1: Yeah. Last note on Cameroon, really quick. They do have a good goalkeeper, uh, Andre Anana. Uh, he was at Ajax. He's at Inter. He's a, he's a really good shot stopper, so that could help them. If
0: Yeah, we're going to get a lot of cuts to Onana, just like hands in the air, like what is my <laughs> defense doing and yeah. to get again Switzerland, make it 3-1. Um, last group of it, and, and I love this group as well, and we have to start with the team I just mentioned. We have to start with the team I opened the podcast with. It's Portugal. Is this team too good to fail? Or is everything, as I do the gestures wildly <laughs> meme, going to catch up to them.
1: It's not looking good. I no. think I think they could they could burn out of the group stage. It's unlikely, but I think they could finish second, which would hurt them and then they could crash out of the round of Can 16. Can I interest
0: you in a Brazil Portugal round of 16 match?
1: Oh man, Ronaldo having to go against Brazil. Ronaldo shouldn't even start. I mean, let's start there. The vibes 80% of the it, At least half the reason why the vibes in Portugal are bad. Just throwing
0: numbers out there.
1: I I don't know. I was just making it up. I was like, okay, what's the secret sauce? But the Ronaldo thing is really bad. I think one thing that John Arnold... Arnold, Wow, you didn't think I'd butcher that name? I think one thing that John brought up that was really interesting is that this is the last World Cup for Ronaldo Messi, a debate that has consumed almost every soccer fan for 15 years. And I think it's been about five years where it's been very, very clear who's won that. And anyone telling you otherwise is not watching soccer. And I just I'm sorry to say if you think that it's not messy, but you're wrong. And not well, only like has the last we...
0: ten days have sold
1: it, right? <laughs> yeah. Not only does is it was it bad every week Ronaldo does something to dig himself deeper in the hole. He just keeps trying to get give this persona that he is the biggest alpha in the soccer world it's like him and Laton, which he's not here so we don't need to talk right. about him but every day Ronaldo wakes up thinking how can I make the world of soccer think about me and I think his agent just texts bleacher report and EF- ESPN FC to post things about him he is bad he is still a good goal scorer but he has no defensive work rate and it's got to be a chore playing with him. So That's like, got to be bad for this team.
0: So here's the two things with Ronaldo. One, the timeline of it is fabulous to me. He starts off with like, "I'm gonna leave a preseason friendly early," and it's like, "All right, like you probably shouldn't do that," but it's like, eh, "It's okay, it's okay."
1: And he's like, "All right, all
0: right, that didn't get me in deep enough." So uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going in this game. I'm just not gonna play. And it's like, mm, okay, all right, now now we're in real trouble. It's like you probably shouldn't be doing that. And then it's just like all right, I'm going to go on Piers Morgan and give this exclusive he, interview. He
1: he wanted out of United at the deadline because right. he was like, I got to play for a Champions League team. I got to play in the Champions League. I'm Mr. Champions League. I got to keep my goal scoring. No one wanted him. Yeah. Every team in the Champions League was like, we can't take this guy on. He's got a terrible contract and he makes us worse because we have to play him. You have to play him.
0: Right, and so I think that's the interesting thing with Portugal is like, In a nutshell, if you take Cristiano Ronaldo and you remove all of the Cristiano Ronaldo, he can be an effective player. But the issue is you can't remove all of the Cristiano Ronaldo. And he doesn't recognize, or maybe he does recognize it, but he's certainly not willing to publicly admit that. Because what you need is you need him to say, I'm willing to embrace a role where you stick me on the bench and for 20 minutes I come on and I score goals because that's what I do. Yeah, But you can't put him in the team for 90 minutes because he's so much of a negative at doing literally anything else.
1: He is. You, you hit it on the head. And, and
0: also, he's going to score a hat-trick against Ghana in the opening game of the World Cup. Yeah,
1: and he's going to do this new celebration where he yeah. puts his hands together and he looks like he's calm and he's unbothered by it all. And he's going to score and he's going to be like, I'm class. I'm Cristiano Ronaldo. It's going to stink. Just letting you all know right now. But... <laughs> but I have to give him credit because four years ago, we had a very similar conversation where we were like, and Ronaldo's on the way out. He's on the way down. And he scored a hat trick against spade, including one of the sickest goals of all time. That free kick to tie it at three, three in stoppage time. Go watch it. It's incredible. Enough about Portugal.
0: I think we, one final thing on Portugal. I'm sorry. I got to leave you. Uh, What three goals are we getting in the Ghana hat trick?
1: Oh, Penalty for sure. Yep. Penalty for sure. I think he gets a corner kick header. And I think he gets one where Ghana's opened up between the first and third on the counterattack. And then he's just kind of in on goal. And it's a two on one. And he, like, basically gives the dude a look. If you don't pass to me, I'm not leave- letting you leave the stadium. And he gets a pass in. So, uh, tap in, corner, penalty. Are you shocked? There you
0: go. No, no, that's the Ronaldo. That's a Pika Ronaldo hat trick. We talked about Uruguay. They're kind of seen as the second best contender in this group. There's a big opportunity for them, particularly if they can win the group. South Korea, a super intriguing team. Uh, unfortunately, the question for them is a lot like the question that we kind of started with with Senegal. Is Son Heung-min healthy?
1: Yeah, it seems like he's going to be good. It's a facial fracture. So, like, you know, if you like basketball, lots of guys play with the mask, and then you might get masked up sunny. And that's good content for people that like that. Uh, I think I think he this team isn't as good as Senegal. The overall squad, it's a lot of domestic based guys and the K League is good and they do have a few players that are, you know, over in Europe, but the truth of it is they're maybe the most star dominant team at this World Cup. And that's how it worked four years ago. Sonny's, yeah. they they kind of were it out didn't of the work, group. Though. But it didn't work. Like it They, they, work st- they, they,
0: stunned, they Germany. stunned Germany. They knocked Germany out. But, but they, they were didn't make done it out the
1: before earth. that game happened. So yeah. it was just for pride. And, you know, they did great to beat Germany. Um, I just think they're a little short on talent. But with Sun, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Um, it, I'm not feeling great about them, but I'm just hoping that he scores a few great goals, which he has done. He has this bad habit now where he tries to go for worldies instead of playing just like simple soccer, but I'll allow it in a World Cup.
0: Worldies at the World Cup. You got to do it, right? All right, the last team that we've talked about, it's Ghana. Uh, Is there any reason to believe that this squad can kind of make good and undo the very bad soccer vibes that they've had coming into this World Cup?
1: Man, it was really underwhelming qualification from Africa. Like, yes. almost every team that got through kind of did it, and you were, like, watching it, and you are like, not Yeah, convinced. I mean, like,
0: Senegal junked it up in that game against Egypt, which was fun because the whole laser pointer probably should out thing, like, yeah, that it down. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Um, Tunisia, very lucky draw, didn't play well, got through. Ghana eliminated what was a pretty talented Nigeria team, but did it in such a way that it's, like, not super interesting. Um so yeah, like.
1: But yeah, but overall, just this year they've had a lot of bad results. Um yeah. I think if you look at it, and you know the squad isn't as bad, maybe as I, I think they're a little more talented than Tunisia. I think they're around Cameroon in terms of talent, maybe a little more talented, but they're bringing some of these old stalwarts, the IUs, um, that y- you know. But I think it's. This group, in terms of the two favorites versus two not favorites, I think the two favorites are more likely to go through than we talked about. Japan maybe upsetting the balance there, or, you know, Belgium and Croatia getting tipped. I just, I don't really see it for this Ghana team. It hasn't been done. Why are they going to figure it out now?
0: So let's just kind of run through the quick results here for Ghana. They did get a 1 0 win over Nicaragua. So credit to them for that. Got beat by Brazil 3 0. They drew nil-nil against a pretty limited Chile squad. Japan thrashed them 4-1. They drew with the Central African Republic in AFCON qualifiers. They beat Madagascar 3-0, and then there were those results against Nigeria. Like, this is not a very good team. Um, Those names that you bring up are good names, but they're also the same names. And I think that's an issue that we've seen with a couple of teams. I just find it really hard to see Ghana having success at this World Cup.
1: I'm with you. I think they have a few, two young players that are good in Williams. Who's at Bilbao. Yeah. The, uh, I he's think those really are, fun.
0: That's the interesting story with this Ghana team, right? Is you've got the players who have signed up to be a part of this team that weren't necessarily a part of qualifying. And I think that's pretty interesting. Um, Williams is, is one of them. You know, he has one cap for Ghana. Um, Antoine Simeone is is another one. He's got one cap for Ghana. Um, Tari Clampty. The Brighton player, one cap for Ghana. So you have these kind of – this is not the right term for it, but it's the term I'm going to use – these mercenaries who have come into the Ghanaian squad to try and give them a little bit of juice. And I think that kind of makes it interesting. But I just don't think there's enough there for them to be particularly competitive.
1: Yeah, I think we both see Portugal as a candidate for crashing out of this World Cup. But I'm not sure Ghana or South Korea are good enough to make that at the group stage.
0: Could we almost have – a an Argentina 2018 World Cup for Portugal, right? They're not good in the group stage, but they get through because the opposition isn't that great. They get to the round of 16 and they get hammered by a good team, which is what happened to Argentina with France. And that would be Brazil in this case for Portugal.
1: I think that's rather likely. I think that might
0: be what I I go for here. I'd like to pick them to go out, but I think I might go for the Argentina. The The,
1: the thing with Portugal is they do have a really good squad it's up there in terms of talent. Right. Like you you go position by position. They're really talented, but vibes matter at a world cup. Right. Like they just do, they do. And we, we've seen it, we know it. And all it takes is a slip up in one game and you're staring down Brazil. Like,
0: yeah. And unless Fernando Santos can find a way to manage it, it's going to be an issue, right? Like, I know that they're just Twitter videos from what we've seen, but it looks like it's an issue this whole Ronaldo thing within the Portugal squad. And like, yeah.
1: <laughs> what if I told you that before the first day, Santos sent Ronaldo home? Will that make you feel better or worse about their chances?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably would, better, I, right? I, I don't
1: know. Yeah. That's yeah. a crazy thing to say about yeah. someone who is ostensibly the second best player of the century.
0: Yeah. It's super interesting. Uh, We've gone on long enough. We've talked about all of these teams. We've broken them all down. We enjoyed it. We hope that you enjoyed it too, as a listener, as we said, we've got one more podcast uh, ahead of the world cup. That'll be out around this weekend where we're going to throw some of those bold predictions against the wall. We're going to make predictions for everything that's going to happen. We're going to make predictions for things that won't happen. Most of it will probably be wrong, but we will at least make ourselves laugh in the process. And then after that we're in a world cup mode Sunday, Ecuador, Qatar, The ugliest nil-nil match you've ever watched, probably, given what we've seen from Ecuador so far. But it's the World Cup, so we're going to love it anyway. Uh, This is World Cup After Dark. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you soon.